Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. I've got kind of a, a topical message today. We're going to be talking about the confounding grace of God. So don't, I don't have like a... Uh, necessarily a base text, but if you guys want to go to 1 Corinthians 1, 27, uh, I guess we could kind of view that as a jumping off point. So if you've been with us over the past few months, um, how long have we been in Ephesians? It's been a while, I know. Uh, But right now, we are in this really pivotal moment in the book. Brandon just wrapped up chapter 3. Um, throughout Paul's writings, you see in his epistles, there is at the beginning of the book, there's a great focus on doctrine and the things that we should know. Uh, and then that leads into the latter part of the book, uh, that is things that we should do in light of what we know. Okay. And I think Ephesians is the book that maybe, uh, shows that most clearly. Okay. So the first three chapters of Ephesians, you see, you know, know this, I need you to know this, know this, like, right? And then chapter four is, starts all the doing things, right? So it's a pivotal moment in the book, but I believe that for us as a ministry, it's, it's a pivotal point for our ministry, right? The whole reason Brandon has been going through this book is so that we might truly know and understand our identity in Christ, okay? And so I think as I was praying through, you know, what, what God would have me to teach on, I kind of landed on this topic of the, what I refer to as the confounding grace of God. Because I think it's really vital for us, before we get into the doing things, that we really reflect on our identity. Like, do we, do we truly have our identity in Christ down? Are we ready to move on to the, to the action items in the book of Ephesians. And so chapter three ends with Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesians. Uh, He says, I want you to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. And that's such a perfect summary of the book of Ephesians, right? We need to know Christ's love. We need to know our identity in such a way to where it's no longer just knowledge. It passes knowledge And we go from not just knowing things, but actually doing things in light of what we know, okay? And that's even further, uh, you know, expounded on in chapter 4, right? It says, uh, I, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. And if we're going to walk worthy, that means we need to walk. That's the action but to walk worthy is to walk in light of your identity in Christ. It's to walk worthy is to walk in light of our identity in Christ. 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And that's my prayer this morning. So, Uh, I want you guys to to consider, before we get into Ephesians 4, 
what do I struggle with in terms of my identity? Do I really believe what God says about me is true? Am I ready to live in light of my God-given identity? And do, do I believe that God can change me? I think those are the questions on the floor this morning. And, and I think it's really important that we, we set aside space to actually consider these things, right? I know, uh, so I'm a high school teacher, and I think it's really easy with the American education system to just get information, and then you take the test and you forget about it, right? But that's not the way, like, Christ's education works, right? Is there's an, there's an intent to actually live out what we know, okay? And so, those are the questions on the floor. I'm going to pray and ask God to truly consider these things. So would you just join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, your grace is good. Like we, we just sang about it. Um, your love sought us and your blood bought us. God, it is your grace that brought us to the fold of God. And God, it's, it's your grace that's going to carry us home. And it's your grace that's going to transform us into the, the people you've called us to be. And so, God, I pray that wherever people are at, whether, you know, they're, I'm, I'm sure there are people here today that do not know Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would respond to your grace for the first time. Lord, I know that there are people in here that are deeply struggling with their identity in Christ. And, God, I pray that you'd pour out your grace on them. Um, God, I know that there are, are people in here who you've called them to something that feels so far beyond who they are right now. And God, I pray that they would trust that your grace is going to get them there. Um, Lord, I, I just pray even now as I preach, uh, God, that your grace would just um, cover my words. God, I just I want to preach the sermon you've given me according to your word and in the power of your Holy Spirit. So um, be glorified in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the confounding grace of God. So let's, let's start with some definitions. So the word confound means to cause surprise or confusion in someone, especially by acting against their expectations. And I forgot to do this in the slideshow, it is in my notes, but you can actually cross out or confusion because God's not the author of confusion. Okay, so to cause surprise in someone, especially by acting against their expectations, okay? And then grace is unearned favor, right? It's favor that we in no way, shape, or form deserve or have earned on our own. Okay, so with this, I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And even in Ephesians 3, right, we just went over this last week. But uh, in verse 20, Paul says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. 
And so, you know, I want to look at this in, in two ways, right? I know God's called us to, to something great. Like God's called us to win the whole world to Christ. Okay, and maybe, maybe you're not, you don't feel ready yet. Okay, on, on one hand, I want you to know that, okay, if you let God's grace work in your life, he will transform you into the person that you need to be to do that job. But on the other hand, I don't want you to think that because you're not there yet, that that excludes you from the mission. Okay, so, like, you know, ask yourself, am I foolish? Am I weak? Awesome. You can be used, right? Like, God's grace extends to you wherever you're at so that he can use you for the, for the very thing he's called you to. Okay, so let's talk about the means of grace. Okay, so if grace is unearned favor and it's this, you know, is to do this confounding work in my life, in and through me, uh, you know, how do I access God's grace? Okay, so positionally, uh, we know that Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ is full of grace and truth. Okay, and really we access grace by responding to Christ's faithfulness to us. Okay, and so that first happens, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, but then there should be a, a, a moving from faith to faith, right? Where it's no longer just faith in Christ, but it's the faith of Christ. Okay, so Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Okay, and I'll, I'll liken it to this, okay? When, when you say yes to Christ, when you first place your faith in him, that's like saying I do, okay, at the altar. JJ and I did that three and a half years ago. Um, and I'm all the better for it. Um, okay, but think for a second. Like, we said yes to each other, but if from that point on, I was only trusting in my ability to be a good husband, okay? And I'm not just trusting in the fact that she has committed herself to me. That, that would be a, a miserable marriage, right? If I'm only trusting in, in my faith and if I can, go, like, you know, go on enough good dates, like, if I can be a good enough husband, okay? But it's responding to Christ's faithfulness to us, right? We live by his faith, not just our faith, okay? So faith in Christ, but also faith of Christ. So that's positionally, right? We access God's grace through the person of Jesus Christ, Okay, but then practically on a daily basis, uh, 2 Peter 3.18 says, grow in grace. You need to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Okay, and so we need to grow in our relationship with Christ. We need to grow in this grace. And we do that practically through communing with God in his word and in prayer. Okay, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Okay, so 
we hear from Jesus, we hear from God as he speaks to us through his word, okay? But then we speak to God through prayer. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And we do all of those things. We draw nigh to God in and through prayer, through calling on the Lord. Okay, so that's how we access grace. Okay, so let's, let's look at some different aspects of the confounding grace of God that are going to be important for us. Okay, so first we have a confounding call. Okay, so grace enters our life um, when, okay, God, God is calling all the world to repentance. Okay, Acts 17.30 says, And in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Okay, so God is calling every man, every woman into a relationship with Jesus Christ through just simple faith, right? Repenting of your sin, repenting of yourself and receiving his grace, right? Like my sin separated me from the living God. I deserved hell, right? But it's calling on the name of Jesus, recognizing that his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary was the only sufficient payment for the penalty of sin in my life, right? That saved me. And this is confounding to the world. We just read that in 1 Corinthians 1, right? It's a stumbling block. Um, it says, uh, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, right? Religious people think like, why, why would God die, right? Like, Wise people in this world think, why would God become a man, right? This is foolishness, okay, but not to us, right? Those of us that have received the gospel in faith, it's everything, right? The call for salvation is everything, okay? But then for those that respond to Christ and his grace, there's a call for sanctification, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, for God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. So for those that repent, God calls them to personal holiness. And this is confounding to our flesh, right? Like our flesh doesn't want any part of the sanctification process. And you see this take place uh, in, in Romans 7 and 8, right? In Romans 7, Paul's like, the things I, I want to do, I don't do. The things that I I want to do, I don't do, right? And, and as a Christian, we can be both dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is a, that's a confounding work of God. And it's his grace. You guys with me this morning? Okay, and I, I think you could make an argument that in some ways, you know, it's all the same call, right? Those that are called to sanctification. Once they respond, they're called 
to, uh, or sorry, those that are called to salvation, when they respond, they're called to sanctification. And then there's a call for service, okay? 2 Timothy 1.9 says that Jesus, right, God hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, okay? And this is confounding to our own plans and ideals, right? The fact that God has a plan for us. Those that respond to him, he doesn't just save us and like, you know, let it be a, a ticket to heaven. And, and Sam preached this whole message last service, right? But if we truly know God's love, it should pass knowledge and cause us to take action, right? Like God has called us his children, and in doing so, he's called us into the family business, okay? So I want you to know it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. God wants to use you exactly where you're at. God wants to use you, and his grace is sufficient to see that work done in your life. I don't know if you know this, but Paul called himself the chief of sinners, and yet he knew that God could use him because of his grace. And we need God's confounding grace in our lives if we are to respond rightly to his call on our lives. 1 Corinthians 15.10, we see this. Paul talks about it. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. And I think this, this quote just ties in so perfectly with this verse. This Dallas Willard says, Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. And so you can think of this as, right, uh, what sports did you guys play growing up? I've heard volleyball, soccer, tennis. JJ said dance. Um, I, I told her in the car this morning, yeah, dance is a sport. <laughs> dance is a sport. I, be, I believe that. There's hard work that goes into that. Okay, but I want you to imagine, you know, like two, okay, there's a, a soccer game. It's, it's a bunch of kids, like grade school age, playing, playing soccer together. And one is out there and he knows, man, my dad loves me. He's watching. I want to make him proud. Right? Like, I'm going to play my hardest. I want to I make my dad proud. Okay? And there's another kid on the same soccer field who's playing to make his dad love him. Those are two very different kids. <laughs> One's having a great time, and one is miserable. Right? Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Right? We cannot earn God's grace. We can't earn his favor. But in light of his grace, man, we ought, to, we ought to give it everything we've got. Amen. And so, what has God's grace called you to? Okay, does it feel beyond you? So maybe you're here today and, and God's grace is calling you to salvation, right? You know that if you were to die today, you would spend an eternity separate from the Lord Jesus Christ in a lake of fire. Okay, maybe God's grace is calling you to that, but it feels so beyond you, right? Like, I've committed, I've committed so much sin. I'm, I'm too wicked. 
not for God's grace. Maybe God's calling you to sanctification. Maybe there's this, this pet sin you have in your life that you can't shake and you can't even imagine your life without it. You can't even imagine life without the struggle of, of your flesh, right? That keeps pulling you back from actually just going all in. And maybe God's called you to, to the pastorate, right? Maybe God's called you to church planning. We just had mission focus over a month ago, and I know that there were a lot of decisions like that. Where are you at with that decision? Does it feel beyond you? I want to encourage you today by uh, providing some examples of God's confounding grace on display in the lives of his saints. There's so many people that have gone before us um, that have been able to, by God's grace, do what he's called them to. And I, I love these examples specifically because they're so, like, when I think about it, it's uh, the only word I can come up with is confounding, right? Because Moses, God can take a person like Moses, a prince in this world, right, royalty, and empower him to give it all up to become a lowly shepherd for his glory. And then David, a lowly shepherd, God can take him and empower him to become a mighty king, right? Like whatever God has called you to, it might feel so distant, but by God's grace, he can, he can do it. And then I love this, right? In Jesus's day, Israel was plagued by the religious chains of the Pharisees. They had taken God's word and they'd warped it into a burden on the people to live out. Right, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to, to go to Israel on an LFBI trip. Um, and you still see a lot of this in Judaism. Right? So on the Sabbath, they're not allowed to do any work, okay? which includes pushing buttons. Uh, which means that these buildings have a Sabbath elevator that stops on every floor so that people don't have to press a button on the Sabbath. Right? And there's so many just like little rules that, man, they, they keep people from actually seeing who God is. And, uh, and that was probably even worse in Jesus' day. Okay, so then what does Jesus do? He takes a group of fishermen and he trains them up, he disciples them, and he uses them to school the Pharisees, right, in their understanding of the word of God. Okay, and he, it says that they turned the world upside down, these unlearned men. Okay, and just as they're getting comfortable with like confounding the Pharisees, God takes a Pharisee named Paul and he uses them to confound the fishermen. Like, he was given the gospel of grace to steward. And only God can do that kind of stuff, right? Take, take someone completely out of their element and use them for his glory. Because only he can do that. And so again, I just want to ask, what is God's grace calling you to? Is it salvation? Is it sanctification? Is it service? Okay, well, regardless of what it is, I think it's important that we, we address this, uh, this lens of grace. Okay, it's a, it's a confounding lens. Because we need to ask ourselves, do I see myself in light of God's grace? Okay, so we're going to hit on some more characters throughout Scripture. 
okay? And I, and I want you to be encouraged by just how much of a hot mess these people were, okay? And yet, just how highly God speaks of them despite their flaws. And I think if we are going to live in light of God's grace, if we're going to, you know, transition from Ephesians 3 to Ephesians 4, it's, um, it's important that we actually reckon rightly how God really sees us. Okay, so let me, if you don't know about Abraham, he was indeed a hot mess, okay? So in Genesis, you know, 12 through 22, we see, uh, and I think there's even more, but, but God tells the story of Abraham, okay? God tells him to get out of his country. Um, he's going to make him a, a great nation, uh, and specifically says, get out of your country and get away from your kindred, get away from your family. Okay, well, he takes Lot with him, who's his nephew. So he'd already like strike one, right? He's not really fully obeying. And then God tells him uh, he's going to give him this promised land, right? The land of Israel. It wasn't called Israel cause yet because, you know, Israel didn't exist yet. Uh, but when things get hard, even though Abraham's in the promised land, he leaves. He goes to Egypt, right? Like, takes a 180. And then he lies about his wife, actually being his wife. And the king of Egypt almost has his way with Abraham's wife. It's a rough deal, okay? And then, you know, God pulls him out of that situation. And God tells him he's going to give him a child and make him a great nation. He reminds him of his promise. He's like, Abraham, like, look me in the eye, son. Like, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do this, okay? Like, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to make of you a great nation. And he's like, okay, that's awesome. But they can't have kids, okay? And so Abraham, at the behest of his wife, has a kid with Hagar, this Egyptian woman that was his wife's handmaid, because uh, it's taking too long, right? Like, it's not working, okay? And then that's its own huge set of problems, but then God tells him specifically, he's like, no, 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 I'm going to give you a son through your wife, Sarah, okay? And they're both in their 90s, okay? And Abraham literally laughs at this. Like, he hears this, and he's like, ah, good one, God, <laughs> right? Um, Abraham asks that Ishmael, his, you know, his other son from Hagar, would fulfill this promise instead. Okay, you see all throughout, like, Abraham is just like stumbling his way into what God has actually called him to. And yet this guy in Romans 4, God calls him the father of all them that believe. In, in verse 20, it says, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Like that's how God views it. Also, I can't help but... Anytime I read Romans 4.20 to hear it in George Grace's voice, <laughs> he's like, he staggered not at the promises of God. <laughs> that's, that's anytime I read it in the Bible, I just, that's how I hear it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, had to, I had to go for it. Um, anyway, so like Abraham literally like kind of doubted and stumbled his whole way through. And yet the way God talks about him 
is like it never happened. <laughs> in Judges 6, we see Gideon, right? He's fearful and doubting, and yet God calls this guy a mighty man of valor. Mighty man of valor, I'm with you. That's what God says to Gideon. And so like as we're going through these different people, like be thinking, what, what, are, what are the identity issues I struggle with? Right? Maybe you're like Abraham and you just like you're just stumbling all the time. Maybe you're you're Gideon, maybe you struggle with anxiety, maybe you struggle with doubt. How does God view you? What does he have to say about the situation? Mighty man of valor. Moses uh, killed a guy. Moses killed a man in Exodus 2.12. God called him to, uh, you know, deliver my people from slavery. And Moses tries to do it in the power of his flesh. He kills a guy to try to do God's mission in, in his own power. And yet God calls Moses the meekest man who ever lived. God says that Moses spoke with God face to face, like a friend. This is what, this is what God has to say about Moses. And then there's David. David takes it a step further. He committed adultery and then murder. <laughs> he hired a hitman, basically. Um, and yet, in the New Testament, he's still referred to as a man after God's own heart. And God's not afraid to air, air you know, the dirty laundry of his saints, right? God doesn't just gloss over sin, right? He, he makes a point to acknowledge it, right? And that it is wicked and it's exceeding wicked. But he goes, that's not who you really are. That's not who you really are. And man, this one's rough. Lot. Lot committed unspeakable sexual sin, right? If you don't know, ask whoever brought you, right? Um, okay, in the New Testament, this is what God says. That God delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. God says, Lot, he's righteous. That's a just man. Man, that's hard to hear. Um, I remember... A couple years ago in, uh, in my classroom, uh, I think Netflix had just released that like Jeffrey Dahmer series. And uh, I heard some kids talking about it in my class. And I brought up the point, you, you can look this up on your own time, but in prison, if Jeffrey Dahmer made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, and I, I, I mentioned that. I was like, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer had a change of heart at the end of his life. And, you know, you can choose to believe that or, or not. But one of my students said, you know, if, if I was God, 
and Jeffrey Dahmer came up to me, I'd be like, nah. And I didn't, I didn't, you know, whenever you have like a spiritual conversation and you're thinking about it after the fact, you're like, ah, oh, should, like, what should I have said? Um, the only reason we think that way is because we think we're better than Jeffrey Dahmer. And the reality is that if God's grace isn't good enough for Jeffrey Dahmer, if God's grace isn't good enough for a murderer or a child molester, it's not good enough for you. It's not good enough for me. We have to be able to to truly see ourselves the way God sees us if we're going to do what God's called us to. You know, Thomas Harding, uh, in the most recent episode of The Postscript, he talked about how, how deeply he struggled with eternal security. And he said, Submitting myself to Scripture was truly the most transformative thing for me. And then the next step after that was, what are we going to do about this? We've got to tell people we have the truth. To, to truly know that I've been set free from sin. I can know Christ's love in a way that passes knowledge. Like people have to hear about it. And so the key question on the floor is, do I see myself in light of God's grace? Do I see myself in light of God's grace? First Corinthians 6 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, so we need, to, we need to see ourselves the way God sees us. We also need to recognize that that doesn't happen in isolation. That does not happen on an island, right? Your identity is intrinsically tied to the identity of the body of Christ, Okay, and so we need to look at a confounding community. Okay, so I heard this, uh, <laughs> this quote one time. Um, so uh, a confounding community. Community is uh, basically until there are people that kind of get on your nerves, you actually don't have a community. You have a, you have a club, <laughs> right? Um, a community is made up of people from uh, all different walks of life. And so uh, we have in Jesus' posse, uh, if you want to hit the next slide, okay, we have Matthew and Simon, okay? And, and if you don't know, Matthew was a tax collector, okay? He was a Roman tax collector. And Simon Zelotus, uh was probably, maybe, a zealot, okay? Like, we can't say that emphatically. But the zealots uh, were a religious group 
of Jews that objected to Roman rule and violently sought to eradicate it by generally targeting Romans and Greeks. Okay, so this is like um, if Bernie Sanders and a Proud Boys member were in the same small group. <laughs> like, these are, these are two completely opposed points of view, okay? Uh, that's such a funny thought, <laughs> right? Um, but these two men following the same rabbi would have been a spectacle for the whole world to see, Right, like these two men laying aside their personal differences to follow the Lord Jesus Christ in unity for his mission. Like that is so confounding to the world. Okay, so that's, that's in Jesus' posse 2,000 years ago. How about today? How about at MBT? Okay, how about you and your leaders or your peers, your disciples, right? Like... How do you view them? Okay, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Right, like, do you view your leaders, your peers, your disciples, do you view these people as a part of God's grace in your life to establish you in, in your identity, right? So these are some, some really key people from my life. Um, I am, I'm personally convinced that if I didn't have like friends that were photographers, there would be no evidence that I exist. <laughs> um, like I don't take pictures at all. So these are from my wedding and this I had to pull up. This is me and Marshall <laughs> and uh, the discipleship recognition. Uh, I pulled up on the live stream from last fall, <laughs> last night. <laughs> um, okay, but this is Montana. If you guys don't know, he's, uh, he leads the high school ministry at Living Faithly Summit. And he discipled me. And we, we came from very different spiritual backgrounds. Like Montana and I have a lot in common. Um, but man, I, I got saved at a young age. God, uh, God used Montana so mightily to just teach me um, that I, I don't have to go through the motions. And that I just need to abide in Christ. And man, God, God used him, like despite how different we were. Um, man, Alex, I love you, dude. Uh, I just, I, there was a distinct moment. I think it was my first all-church retreat. We were sharing our testimonies. And again, you know, I got, I got saved when I was really young. And I had to kind of make a decision that, you know, I was going to continue with it. Uh, that Jesus wasn't just like my parents' God. He was my, you know, like Jesus was my God. He was my Lord. And, uh, and Alex had a very different testimony, you know, uh, you can ask him more about it, but he was in a lot of trouble, like, when, uh, when he came to Christ, uh, you know, later in his life. And, and I just remember in that conversation, like, Satan told us both the same thing about our testimony, right? That, oh, man, no one wants, no one wants to hear my testimony. But I'm so encouraged that God saved Alex out of, like, such a dark place, and yet he was so encouraged by my testimony that, like, I stuck with it. 
And God, God uses us as the body of Christ to strengthen each other in that way. This isn't like DEI, right? This isn't just like force diversity for diversity's sake, right? Like God is actually, because, I mean, you see it in the world. They like shoot for diversity, but it, it falls flat on its face, right? Like it's, it's very forced. But man, when you come into this church and you see people from all walks of life, right? Different ethnicities and, and yet like, man, we have Christ in common. Uh, Eric Phillips, Eric Phillips and I are like, uh, he's one of my best friends and a huge mentor in my life. Like, I don't know where I'd be without Eric, but in my head, we're like unlikely animal friends. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, those pictures of like, there's like a hippo and a a turtle. They're like, (laughs) like Eric, Eric is this ultra successful black businessman. And I half the time look like a Vietnam vet that like (laughs) got better. Uh, I I really wonder like what, what people think when they see us like in a coffee shop or something. They're like, he looks like too old to be in the Big Brother program. <laughs> uh, but man, yeah, I'm so thankful for Eric. We like, I don't know what we have in common, <laughs> but he's one of my best friends. Uh, and then Marshall, uh, where where'd you go, Marshall? Where are you at? Oh, hey, dude, I love you, man. Uh, I don't I don't really know like what you and I. I don't think we have a whole lot in common. But, uh, you know, I, got, I had the pleasure of discipling Marshall, and man, I take a bullet for that guy. Like, he's so near and dear to my heart, um, even though uh, we, uh, we ran the 5K together. <laughs> I'd been, like, training for it, and uh, we were, like, texting the night before. We were like, let's, let's run it together. And then, uh, like, the race starts. And he's like, I think I can do it. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> I think he got, like, third place <laughs> after, like, not training. <laughs> but, uh, man, I love you, Marshall. You're, for real. He's like, I love that guy. I'm so grateful for what God's doing in his life. And uh, it's by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. And so, do I see the people God has placed in my life in light of God's grace? Your identity is tied to the body of Christ. Like you don't get to just have your own identity in Christ. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, And compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. The whole body, right? Like, we're not just cogs in a machine, (laughs) right? Like, we we are part of the body of Christ, and we all bear Christ's DNA. Okay, so lastly... We have a confounding transformation. And so, you know, we, we saw people in Scripture that, you know, they messed up and we got to see 
at least how God talked about them. But I want to take a look at specific like redemption stories, like people that we get more data on, you know, at the beginning of their life and at the end of their life. And I just, I want you to be encouraged by this. Like wherever you're at, whatever it is you're struggling with, God wants to transform you. And it's his grace that's going to do it. John Mark, the failed servant, right? If you, if you read about this in the book of Acts, he, he went along with Paul and Barnabas on a missionary journey and it got hard and he dipped out. And it, it was so bad that when Barnabas wanted to take him on another journey, Paul, Paul was like, no, we can't. He, he failed us, right? Like he was supposed to help us out and he failed. And yet this guy writes the gospel portraying Christ as God's perfect servant, right? Like, and you get to the end of uh, Paul's ministry, and Paul says, hey, bring Mark with you. He is profitable to me for the ministry. The failed servant gets to write the book on Christ's service. The Apostle John, one of the sons of thunder, right? In Luke 9, 51 through 56, I want to read this story to you. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, this is Jesus, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Right, like John was the guy that's like, God, like, give me lightning powers. <laughs> I'll, I'll strike down the haters, okay? The, like, he, he wanted to destroy people in Jesus' name out of, out of anger. And yet God uses this guy to write the book that states God is love. Listen to this passage. Like, think about what I just read. John saying that, and then at the end of his life, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Right, God, God transformed John. And then we see the apostle Peter, right? This guy is too zealous for his own good literally rebukes Jesus Christ, the living God in human flesh. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. Like, listen to this. So Mark eight thirty one, And Jesus began to teach them 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, I love that. (laughs) Imagine Jesus just getting chewed out. And then he's like, (laughs) boy. (laughs) All right. It says, he rebuked Peter saying, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And God uses this guy to write two books on patience, sobriety, virtue, and Jesus as our shepherd. Like that first song we sang this morning, written by Peter. (laughs) Arrangement by Alex Allen, right? (laughs) Um, Right, like add your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, right? Like Peter... God allowed him, by his grace, to bring his zeal under control. And then lastly, we have the Apostle Paul. A Pharisee that persecuted Christians. He says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, an Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And it's this guy who killed Christians that God made the chief steward of the gospel of grace. Galatians 1, 11 and 12 says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He, throughout his writings, he refers to it as my gospel. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy, the chief of sinners, was made the chief steward of the gospel of grace. Okay, how about today? Um, man, I just, these are just some testimonies I, I consider. Um, man, if you guys know the background that Kenny Morgan came out of, (laughs) if you hear his testimony, and that guy, I cannot think of a better example of holiness in our church. Pastor Sam Miles grew up despising the pastorate. Like, he had experienced so much awful stuff from pastors in his life. He's now literally teaching the class on how to be a pastor in LFBI. (laughs) I have him as my pastoral uh, procedures teacher, right? And he's a pastor of pastors, and God is using him mightily. Think about Alvaro. Um, man, I love that guy. Um, I remember first meeting Alvaro, though. And uh, this dude, I wouldn't say he, like, wanted to fight you, <laughs> but uh, where is Alvi? Where is he at? I don't know. Okay. I love you, Alvi. Uh, I wouldn't say he wanted to fight you, but he just, like... He had just so, uh, he had just so much, like, violent energy. <laughs> but now, like, man, Alvaro's one of the most gentle people I know. Um, and then Alex, again, I love you, man. But, uh, like, dude, ask, his, ask him his testimony. He used to be, like, out of his mind. Um, and I mean that literally, like, 
you were not sober a lot. Um, and now he's one of the most sober people I know. Like, if you have a conversation with Alex, it's, it's hard to walk away from that, like, not being encouraged. Just, and I could go on and on about people in our ministry that have been completely transformed by God's grace. And, uh, man, so the key question is, do I believe that God's grace can transform me into the person he's called me to be? Do I believe that God's grace can transform me into the person he's called me to be? Romans 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So do you believe that? So I really, kind of my only intention today was just to ask a bunch of questions. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of action items. Um, I, I do really want us to just consider these things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with um, just all of the key questions thrown up on the screen, okay? And I'm, I'm going to put it on you, like however you need to respond this morning. So what has God called you to? Okay, maybe it's salvation. You're here this morning and you have never experienced this confounding grace that wants to save you from hell. <laughs> Man, respond. Okay, do I, do I see myself in light of God's grace? Okay, do I see the people God has placed in my life, whether that's your disciples, like Bible study leader, your peers, your disciples, do I see them in light of God's grace? Am I, am I tying my identity in Christ to our identity as the body of Christ? And do I believe that God's grace can truly transform me into the person he's called me to be? And I really want us to consider these things before we get into Ephesians 4 as a ministry. Before we get to the doing, I want us to have like one more just real reckoning with man, do I believe this? And if not, why not? Um, I've been in the 30s of Psalms. And Psalm 32 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence... My bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions with the Lord, unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. 
And I want to I focus on this verse here. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. And as I've meditated on this chapter, I, I've realized a pattern in my own life of, <laughs> you know, I will not acknowledge sin and hide from God rather than acknowledge sin and hide in God. And I believe that's what God's calling us to this morning. Okay, so whatever it is that's keeping you from truly reckoning rightly your identity in Christ, man, let's confess that this morning. Like maybe it is as simple as like, I just, I struggle. I don't know why. Well, let's get the ball rolling. Like talk to someone. Let's figure it out together. Because if we're going to win Kansas City to Christ, if we're going to win this world to Christ, we need to be who God has called us to be. Amen? So let's have the band come up. Let's have the counselors come up. And I'm just going to pray for you. <sighs> Heavenly Father, um, I'm just humbled by your grace. And God, to even just like consider that you would count me faithful, just knowing who I am in the flesh. Um, God, to, to bring this message, I'm just, I'm grateful for your faithfulness. And so I pray that you would help us, God, <laughs> to just receive your grace and respond to it rightly. And God, I know that there are people here today that have never done that ever. God, would you give them the strength and the courage uh, to just come up front and receive your love, God, to receive uh, redemption, God, to repent of themselves, to repent of their sin, and to just respond to the, the wonderful grace, Lord, that's greater than all our sin. And God, for those that are just struggling with, with some besetting sin, God, that they would know in their heart of hearts that you don't see them you don't define them by their sin, God. And that that would enable them to, to draw nigh to you, God, to hide in you, not from you. And God, for those that, Lord, are, are called to leadership in some capacity, God, whether that's to the pastorate, to, to planning churches, to just, yeah, leading a Bible study. Um, God, that whatever they think is keeping them from that, God, that you would, you would help them to just lay it down and, and trust that in time, you're, like, you're going to mold them into the person they need to be and that you're going to enable them to do the work that you've called them to now. And so, Lord, I just commit all this to you um, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. That today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in His Word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.